I think it is now. Sorry. And I, I will have that opportunity if uh, Blake keeps having family reunions and spending holidays like he should with his family, wherever they may be, maybe. It's always a privilege to fill this pulpit, so please uh, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 7 in your Bibles. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Although it feels like ages ago now, it's only six weeks ago that we made it through 2 Corinthians 7 verse 1. And this is one of those places in the God's Word where the chapter division doesn't quite seem to fit the text. But remember, the chapter divisions themselves are not inspired by the Holy Spirit. Men way before us inserted them to help in our study of God's Word. And every once in a while, they may just be a little off. In other words, verse 1 fit really well at the end of chapter 6. And then you'll notice a lot of Bibles have a break right there that's even noticeable um, as verse 2 begins. I think that today's passage is one of the most remarkable passages in this whole letter. It may completely change your impression of the letter itself and the Corinthian church. While the Apostle Paul continues to reveal his heart and concern and love for these people, is seen in a new and encouraging way that maybe we haven't seen very much so far. And so much so that, in, that each of us may be deeply affected by what he shares and what we learn about God's incredible care for us. After the events of the first two weeks of this month, in which both of my last two surviving sister-in-laws unexpectedly died one week apart, Marty and I and our family on both sides have been rocked in ways that we've never experienced in our whole lives. And yet, like many others in this church who are going through tough times, we are seeing how God has mightily worked in and around these circumstances to reveal His love and care and your prayers for us are still being answered in ways that really do amaze us. The bottom line right now is that God's delaying of my sermon preparation until after we returned from Houston has made me recognize much more his tender care and comfort that Paul describes and applies to himself to Titus, to the Corinthians, and to each one of us. If you are able, would you please stand as I read 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 2 through 16, which is the rest of the chapter. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. 
Make room in your hearts for us. We have wronged no one. We have corrupted no one. We have taken advantage of no one. I do not say this to condemn you. For I said before that you are in our hearts to die together and to live together. I am acting with great boldness towards you. I have great pride in you. I am filled with comfort in all our affliction. I am overflowing with joy. For even when we came into Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, but we were afflicted at every turn, fighting without and fear within. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus, and not only by his coming, but also by the comfort with which he was comforted by you. As he told us of your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoice still more. For even if I made you grieve with my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it, for I see that that letter grieved you, though only for a while. As it is, I rejoice not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting, for you felt godly grief, so that you suffered no loss through us. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. For see what earnestness this godly grief has produced in you, but also what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what longing, what zeal, what punishment. At every point you have proved yourselves innocent in the matter. So although I wrote to you, it was not for the sake of the one who did the wrong, nor for the sake of the one who suffered the wrong, but in order that your earnestness for us might be revealed to you in the sight of God. Therefore, we are comforted. And besides our own comfort, we rejoice still more at the joy of Titus, because his spirit has been refreshed by you all. For whatever boast I made to him about you, I was not put to shame. But just as everything we said to you was true, so also our boasting before Titus has proved true. And his affection for you is even greater, as he remembers the obedience of you all, how you received him with fear and trembling. I rejoice because I have perfect confidence in you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. A lot, of what, a lot of what Paul says here, he's already said in other ways earlier in this letter. In chapter 6, verse 13, he asked the Corinthians to open their hearts to him. 
And here in verse 2 at the beginning, he says, make room in your hearts for us. In other words, for he and Timothy and Titus, his helpers. He follows this with an appeal in the last part of verse 2, reiterating that there is no good reason for them not to open their hearts to him. Look at the three strong verbs he uses to make his point. First, we have wronged no one. Second, we have corrupted no one. And third, we have taken advantage or exploited no one. In other words, what some have charged him with earlier is groundless. He, his conscience is completely clear. And it's important to note here that those who had made charges against Paul and his helpers must have been a small group and not the majority of this church. But they obviously were loud. We all know how those kind of people can bring about awkward situations. Simply because the majority are then left questioning what the truth really is. So they become more cautious towards Paul and pull back some just to be careful. This is what probably happened, and as the majority acted more